Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. How's it, everybody? Welcome back to, I almost said Game Nights, but it's actually the Command Zone. I'm your host, Josh Lee Kwai. How's it? And I'm DJ. Wow. That was just that was a have, rough intro, Josh. That just couldn't have gone better. Did you just come back from vacation or something? <laughs> it's almost like I'm jet lagged. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to go with it. Okay. So um, we just did our report card episode for Commander 2018, and sort of in the midst of doing that, DJ and I were like asking some questions. It was a moment to be reflective about the format and like, what do commander players want? What do we wish was in here? What does the format need? Exactly. We were kind of discussing, well, did they hit what we need? Did they push the boundaries? And then we found ourselves asking, what would we do? Yeah. So we're going to be talking about our commander format wish lists today. And that's like, what kind of spells, effects, what tools that don't exist now do we wish existed you know what what does the format need from a new card perspective we're going to be putting our <laughs> i had a long wish list josh we had to cut it down a little bit that's why we're bringing you the most relevant wish list cards that we have yeah we're going to be putting on our game designer hats a little bit um spoiler alert we're not game designers. Okay, <laughs> before we get into all of that, we need to talk about our sponsors. Of course, cardkingdom.com slash command zone. If you use that affiliate link when you order your magic cards, singles, products, anything at all, you really are supporting this podcast. You're supporting game nights. You know, you're gonna order those that stuff anyway. If you use the affiliate link when you do, you really are keeping the lights on around here and we super appreciate it. Also, a big thanks to Ultra Bro, who's been a great sponsor for us for a very long time. I know a lot of people have been asking about the wall scrolls that we've seen in game nights that we see behind DJ there. Um, they are at the time of this recording, like gonna come out pretty soon. I don't know the exact date, but keep an eye on it. Ask your LGS about them so that they can, you know, ask Ultra Pro and get them in stock. They are super, super cool. And you definitely want those on your wall. And the final way to support uh, all of our content is directly. If you go to patreon.com slash command zone, you can contribute directly and you get to do things like see game nights before anyone else. A lot of our patrons got the Last Stand playmats for free as one of the rewards for being a patron. Thank you to everyone uh, of our patrons. You really are the heart and soul of our content. And another benefit is every single episode, we call out one lucky patron. Call out, shout out. Anyway, this episode is dedicated to 
Damien Savorino. Savor Savorino. I'm gonna go with that. Savorino. <laughs> Damien. I'm sorry, we butchered your last name. I'm really not Damien, sure how you, to say that. You actually that. have an awesome. When you can't pronounce your last name, it means that it's awesome. My oh. last. Yeah, my last name sucks. My last name must be awesome because no one can ever exactly. pronounce it. So. It's so interesting. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's get into our main topic right away here. I want to say, first of all, we don't like bans. Bannings kind of yeah, suck. Yeah, I don't and, like banning either. And, yeah. and when you're talking about a wish list, when you're talking about uh, finding cards we need to balance the format, one easy way to balance something is to ban the card that's causing the problem. And we don't like that solution. I think one of the big draws to Commander as a format is that you can play your cards. With very few exceptions, if you have a card, you can play it. And I think that's one of the great things about it. And one of the things that drew me to it when I came back to Magic, I was like, oh, I have this box of old cards. I can still play all this stuff? Yes, you can. So we're gonna tackle this from a perspective of let's not ban stuff. Instead, let's create some checks and balances on the stuff that maybe is a little bit too powered or is just well positioned in the format for whatever reason. And Watsy's been doing that too. I think that they also ascribe to the same philosophy. So it might for be- For Commander. The, for Commander, yeah. It might be the easy solution to just like, we'll just ban it if it's a problem, but no, we wanna go with the more complicated, but we think the better solution, which is make new cards. Now you put a little disclaimer here. I did. Do you wanna read it? <laughs> Yeah, it's absolutely true. It's totally true. Okay, so we're putting on our game designer hats and we're talking about some mock cards. And these are basically examples of cards from our wish list. Okay, these could be ridiculous and completely unbalanced, and that's okay. Okay, the reason why we're doing this is because we're trying to point out what we need to have in this format, and we can change the mana cost or change exactly what it is, but we're trying to get across the need for this type of card. Yeah, We're it's, more pointing out a problem rather than suggesting the exact solution in the mock card we talk about. Yeah, we're gonna sort of make up some cards and say something like this. Now, not this, but as Mark Rosewater would design this, as Gavin Verhey would design yeah, this. better people will take this idea <laughs> and run with it, but what it does is highlight the problem, highlight yeah. the need. Yeah, and sort of point towards a general direction of like, oh, here's maybe a way of solving it. Okay, so let's talk about our number one problem. We're gonna we're gonna sort of tackle these as far as like, here's the problem, and here's what we think a solution could be as far as like a card that might exist or a, a group of cards that might be able to come into existence to kind of put the checks and balances, like we said. So, what's our first problem? Our first problem is everyone's problem. It's Cyclonic Rift. Yeah, Cyclonic Rift is it's a little too good. It is. Yeah, it's 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 good for a bunch of reasons. Um, obviously, the fact that it only affects your opponents and not you. It's great in multiplayer. It's instant speed. That's a huge one. If it was sorcery speed, I think... I think it'd be more balanced. Oh, I think it'd be totally fine, and it wouldn't even be on the radar as one of the... It would definitely not be like the second most played card in the yeah, format. Yeah, you have to commit too much mana to actually deploy, uh, deploy it, and on sorcery speed, then even though you can, it'll still be powerful... It wouldn't be as, instant speed is insane. Yeah, it doesn't hose people in the way too of like, they're gonna get their turn to recast their stuff. If you Cyclonic Rift at the end of someone's turn, a lot of times they discard a bunch of cards uh, and don't get to redeploy. That's part of the reason it's so powerful. It Again, feels awful. You're often the first one to redeploy it. Um, for those that don't know what Cyclonic Rift, Rift is, it's one in a blue and you bounce one permanent. But if you, if you uh, play its overload costs, which means you pay six in a blue, 
then you bounce all non-land permanents you don't control back to their owner's hands. And so it, in like regular constructed formats, that's mostly fine and not even overpowered at all. It doesn't really, see, it doesn't see modern play or anything like that because the 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 fact is it's not card advantage. It's still it's still powerful. I mean, you can see it in cubes. You can see it yes. in, in certain things where you are picking the most powerful cards in 1v1. But it's powerful because it's flexible. In our format, it's just straight up game winning. Yeah, yeah. You I'd feel bad if you cost it for two. Oh, yeah. You almost yeah. never do it. But every once in a while, you can just to save your life or whatever. Someone's like, if Craig, you know, pumps something with Infect. Oh, Craig. Yeah, then all of a sudden, you'll use their second Doing that Craig way. things. But it is very, very powerful. Now, they have... They have printed some cards that are sort of... Well, one in particular, for sure, was pointed at Cyclonic Rift. Yeah. And then there's a couple other cards, I'd say, that are sort of maybe not pointed at Cyclonic Rift when they designed it, but incidentally good against it. This is why I like starting with this card, because it points out this whole process. We weren't the only ones that noticed a problem with Cyclonic Rift. Watsy did, too. And then they printed a card directed at it. Right. So and that card is Teferi's Protection this came out in Commander 2017. It's kind of the big new card from that set that really took off and has become a staple in white decks. It's two and a white. I'm doing this off of memory for an instance, and it says that you and all of your permanents phase out. Can't be interacted with. Right. Which and means you can't get bounced. It means your hand. stuff can't get bounced. Uh, it does incidentally save you from combat damage, combat damage, some combos, not all because it's instant speed. And a lot of times the combos just continue over the top of it and yeah. kill you because of the way the stack works. But really Cyclonic Rift is a big one where they Cyclonic Rift, you phase out. <laughs> then on your next turn, you phase back in and all your stuff's wow. there and then you get them. Uh, and even if they do it on the end step before their turn, you can do it because then they go to their turn and they're like, uh-oh, all your stuff's going to come back. Exactly. Yeah, and I just used my Cyclonic Rift. It's pretty effective at that, I would say. Um, the other two we have written down are less effective. They're, base they're very similar cards. They're Ghost Way and Eerie Interlude. They basically blink all your creatures. Yeah. And then your creatures come back uh, at the next end step. Now, the big reason I think these are way worse is it only does creatures yes that so is true yeah so your enchantments your artifacts your planeswalkers they still would get bounced by cyclonic rift it would only save creatures but those are sort of answers yeah they're sort it. of answers yeah um so my idea is basically finding a way to have stuff go back to your hand, but then be able to immediately redeploy it. Right. Uh, and so... you, I like how you even named your cards. When you, I did you name You really my card. put your game designer hat on. I uh, <laughs> did not name any of my cards. So DJ's cards will have names, but not mine. Mine, mine was Lingering Essence. So like you have a creature, you have a thing on the battlefield, and it's like it got bounced to your hand, but their essence, belong, it belongs on the battlefield. That's actually really good. So you can like re... So you can recast it... Uh, uh, out of uh, speed, so instant speed, and uh, for no mana cost. Um, and then we can decide whether it's like creatures uh, or all permanents or something like that. Wait, did you read the card that you that you wrote specifically? Specifically, sure, I'll read it. Um, if a creature was uh, was it's, returned to your hand uh, this turn, you may cast the creature without paying its mana cost. I also was contemplating whether it could be permanent if a permanent were returned yeah. to your hand. Um, and I was also thinking about you could play that card. So even if they bounced more than one land, you could theoretically play all of if those they capsize permanents. you. Exactly. If they mm -hmm. capsize lock you or something like that. Um, 
again, those so this would be an instant, and it would allow you to deploy, redeploy your cards immediately. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You so they bounce everything, and then you let them have their turn, and then you play this, or you can play it in response, whatever, and then you can immediately redeploy your entire board, and then gain advantage from enter the battlefield effects or stuff like that, or cast effects, even. or at the very least, just maintain parity yes. with that effect. Yeah, I like that. This is a rebuild type thing. I'm right. gonna I'm gonna be able to rebuild, uh, and you won't expect it, and it'll be faster than my other opponents that just got board wiped by the Cyclonic Rift. You, on the other hand, must really hate Cyclonic Rift, Josh. I mean, I like it. I played it in a lot of decks. I think it's very, very <laughs> powerful. I think that it. I, I would rather punish it. We talked about this in a past yeah. episode, and so my card, I don't have a name for it, would be something like a three mana two two artifact creature with flash. And it would say, if a spell or ability an opponent controls would return a permanent you control to your hand, make a token that's a copy of that permanent instead. And that would be like, hey, if you want to capsize lock me <laughs> or whatever, capsize lock's not quite as good because they're doing it yeah. one at a time. But again, this is targeted at Cyclonic, uh, Cyclonic Rift. So really, if they Cyclonic Rift, it's a blowout. I double my board or whatever. Um, Insane. There are problems with this, obviously, because you don't want to make it so somebody Cyclonic Rifts and there's four players, and then it just makes one of the other players win. Mm, so that's because then kind the, of a the Cyclonic Rift made a Kingmaker, essentially. Big time. Based like on, It's a little too, too powerful. But I would like something that punishes the Cyclonic Rift player. This was just an idea I had. I don't... I like your card, but I don't think it should be in blue. Blue is the one color that actually doesn't have a problem know, with Cyclonic Rift. I know, flavorful with the flash. That's the only thing. Yeah. Is there anything else? Green. That... Green has flash. Green has flash. And green is actually the color Flashing that probably... without mana cost? I don't know without mana Gosh, cost. that feels so blue. You're, I put it in blue because it had flash and did it without mana cost. But blue doesn't speed. need help with Psychonic Rift. They I have, know, they they have, have the... Swan Song. They've got Force of Will. They've got Mandarin. They've got regular Counterspell. They're the one color that has no problem with Psychonic Rift. They have tons of answer to it. Right now, we're experiencing what I'm sure play design experiences too, where they're like, I want to make this type of card, but this color doesn't need that help. Right. So red, green, I think, is the big one that needs it the most. How about but we put white. this on a land and activated ability? Yeah, that could do it. Kind of like Homeward Path-ish. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that Cyclonic Rift is a big boogeyman in the format and probably needs a little bit of checks and balances. I don't want to take it out. I just want to make it so that it's a little dangerous to cast it. So you might have it in your hand and be like, geez, if they have that one card, I'm going to be hosed. <laughs> I should at least think about it. I agree. Um, okay. Okay. Let's go to the next problem. It's actually Cyclonic Rift related, the next problem. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, go ahead. You put this one it. down. So I'll Yeah, I put it. this down. I actually feel like Cyclonic... Well, I think that Blue needs more board control options. I feel like I'm forced to play Cyclonic Rift if I'm in Blue. I mean, I, I mean you are because it's so good, though, right? I don't know. There's a lot of good cards that I choose not to play, and there are certainly good cards that we all choose not to play. But Oh, be, you're saying because my other options for a similar effect are so limited. Yeah, exactly. Because right. I think there's a huge gap in between Cyclonic Rift and the next blue board control. Okay. I think that there's a gigantic gap there. And maybe if there's something else that works, people might be like, oh, you're the kind of person that plays Cyclonic Rift. The same way they say that when they say, oh, you're playing Mass Land Destruction. Okay. We, we have a social contract. Sure. And sometimes that social contract extends to many different archetypes and many different types of cards. Right. And, but when we don't have the tools that we need to. Or we don't have a good alternatives. Exactly. Then we might be like, okay, well, I guess you have to play Cyclonic Rift. Interesting. Okay. So what are you thinking here? I'm thinking of a card called Rift Squall. 
It's another good name. <laughs> it's just it's just too blue. I, by the way, I also I also made a different type of counter in here. Listen, this so, that one off. that one's like um, uh, I taught a computer to read magic card names, and then I asked it to create a blue. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and they came up with risk wall. Okay, yeah, uh, four blue blue for an instant. Instant is very important. Okay, mm -hmm. and it has multi kicker for blue or something. Uh, for each time Rift Squall was kicked, put an anchor counter on target permanent. Return every non-land permanent without an anchor counter on it to its owner's hands. Oh, so you can save some stuff and you can kind of, oh. For seven mana. It's not just your opponent's control. You can like save a certain everything. amount of your so stuff. So for example, like for six mana, everything, all non-land permanents go. And for seven mana, the same price as Cyclonic Rift, you can save your key permanent, one, one of, of your, your permanents. And then, eight if, mana, two, and then if you have a lot of blue, mana. you can sort of you So can you can make a Cyclonic Rift out of that for like 27 mana. Yes. Got it. Uh, That's interesting. Yeah. I like that. I didn't create a card for this category because I disagree with the premise. Mm -hmm. I think that blue is just fine in the area and doesn't need any help. I've got Evacuation, Whelming Wave, Devastation, Tide, Sunder, Capsize, tons of ways... I just don't feel ever that blue is really hurting. And if you didn't want to play Cyclonic Rift, and in fact, I have some decks that don't have it purposely because they're my lower power decks and I don't feel like blue is ever like, oh no, the board's full. Whatever should I do? It has plenty of options. I feel like, that's how I feel. I think that, I think that number one, evacuation is underplayed. It's and, so good. And that's, it's very good and it's, it's, it's better speed. than Wrath of God. And I, <laughs> it's pretty good. But I think that there's a huge gap even between Cyclonic Rift and Evacuation. And then as soon as you go to the sorcery speed stuff, especially because it all costs like six mana. Overwhelming Wave costs four. Oh, it's it's based on your islands, right? No, it just it's doesn't Krakens. bounce Krakens, Leviathans, all your stuff. But it's still sorcery speed. Right. It's just like Wrath of God. Yeah. It, Ju Day of Judgment. Those cards get played. They do. Yeah. You're right. I also think that that's underplayed. Um, I uh, My favorite blue board wipe is Ixodron. Oh, Ixodron. Sweet. That's my yeah. favorite board wipe. Uh, I think that these are really far away from Cyclonic Rift. And I think Wrath of God is really but far away from Cyclonic Rift, That's too. more of a comment on how good Cyclonic Rift is than... Because if it was in any other color, it would be far and away better than all their other board wipes. Mm -hmm. You know? I, I also think that Wrath of God is kind of a limiting card that is a little bit meh and that other board wipes are seeing more play. Oh yeah, Wrath of God isn't even the most played board wipe, but you can compare them to Toxic Delusions and stuff of the world, and I still think it compares, Whelming Wave is just one more mana, does mm. basically the same thing, gets around Indestructible in the same way. I think it's I think it's comparable. Devastation Tide is another one. You could Miracle it, and it's also just five. So, I don't know. I don't know. I I, 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 think I that, disagree with the premise, I guess. I think that the, the power of being able to replay cards is really, really key. Uh, I th I also think that a lot of the times the the cards or the decks that play board wipes, like the white decks that play board wipes, they're not committing a bunch to the board and then board wiping. But when you're returning all non-land permanents, especially in blue, you're returning almost all of your mana ramp. You're you're actually setting yourself back more than you think, even if you don't have a board presence. And so I think instant speed is really important uh, in order to basically be able to rebuild and give it a little bit of an advantage. I want something more powerful than Whelming Wave and Evacuation. Actually, Evacuation's okay, but I want something a little bit more powerful than Whelming Wave. Whelming Wave was at instant speed. I actually think that I think they that's would what start causes the problem. Reaching I... in, reaching in towards fixing the problem. Hmm. Okay. Well, I mean, we're gonna have to agree to disagree. Yeah. I think blue is the most powerful color in the format. It needs no help. Okay. Here's the next problem. This one we can agree on. Yeah. There's no werewolf commander. We got pretty specific right here. Yeah, but it's a problem. 
Why is there not a werewolf commander? There's... I like how we talked about like one of the most one of the most important cards. We're we're talking about Cyclonic Rift. It's played all over the place. It's a really key thing. And then we're like, werewolves, guys, roar! Werewolves are cool. <laughs> they they're very cool. I think we're gonna get it, but we don't have one now. Yeah, I mean they're That's gonna do problem. it at some point. They they did Ulrich of the Crawling Horde. Yes, which is like a sad. <laughs> I literally, Josh put, literally put just next to it no description on the outline. He just put sad. Yeah, it's sad in so many ways. I'm sad about sad. the card. The card is sad. Like <laughs> it's just it has nothing to do with werewolves. It's not a werewolf lord. It just happens to be a legendary creature that is a werewolf, but it doesn't allow you or enable a werewolf deck. This is something that could be super unique. A lot of people would be you know really excited about, including myself. Yeah. And I think that's something that the format needs and wants. And this is another way for us to demonstrate. We're not just going to be all serious about the really powerful and balancing the yeah, format yeah, yeah. competitively. This we is want cool a, stuff too. Also about like, yeah, we want cool st- cool things. So, okay. Do you know what's interesting, John? I'm going to read mine and then you can read yours. Yeah. We we came up with a similar idea Kinda, for, yeah. for what needed to happen to make werewolves good. It is pretty interesting. So what happened too, I want to describe our process a little bit, is that DJ and I, before um, I left for Europe on vacation, we came up with the topic. So we knew what we were going to talk about. And we just said, okay, come up with some cards, come up with some ideas and problems and how you'd solve them. And I'll do the same. And then we'll come back and we'll put our ideas together. So we totally, you know, separate of each other came up with all this stuff. Uh, and we kind of knew that we were, that werewolf was floating around there a little bit, but we had no idea about the cards. Yeah. So uh, I came up with Sven. I like the name Sven. Sven, Canid Mentor. Three red green for <laughs> <Canid>. a werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> How much time did you spend on the name Not part of it? Much Man, time? We should literally about? hire like this guy should get hired as like a flavor text and 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 uh I'm available card for hire. Yeah. Yes, I am available. You should be like James <laughs> Pianca we've had on the show a okay. couple times. Okay, um, sorry. I, I'm gonna focus on the activated ability because this has an activated ability. One green red, transform all non-token creatures you control. Face down creatures are two two wolves. So this would tra- flip over your this werewolves. Would, this but- would literally transform everything, including non-werewolf cards, and then those would be two two wolves. Interesting. So, so I think that this would be really cool because you could flip back and forth your werewolves over and over again. I didn't talk about the werewolf side of this, but ultimately, I think the most important part is the ability to be in control of transforming with your commander. Yeah, I think that's a big reason that werewolves are not good in the format is because the way that they're all templated, which is like if your opponent casts two or more spells, they sort of flip. It's it too, it's just too hard to keep your werewolves on the side you want because with so many players, they can always kind of flip it to the whatever's the worst for you. And so I think that's really, the werewolf deck needs its commander to control the flipping in some way. I like the tension too of of like you're they're flipped all different ways and you might even have some creatures that aren't that aren't even werewolves at all and then you activate this and then you literally are like i'm gonna flip them all over some flip back to humans other ones flip back to this you even create some wolves yeah that's really interesting actually because if i play a werewolf after i've done this flip thing now that one's on the human side and the other ones and it's like ah do i wanna yeah that is interesting um okay so here's my card i did not name it on the human side, it says wolf and werewolf creatures you control get plus two, plus two. And you can play green and red to transform another target werewolf. And then it has the normal clause if an opponent uh, 
cast two spells on a turn, it flips over. Oh, the, I thought on the front side oh, the it was front, if they no, no spells. Yeah, sorry, no spells. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and so it flips over. So it itself cannot control itself flipping. It can only oh, transform other another, werewolves. That's cool. But then once it's on the other side, it says, if a werewolf you control would transform, you may choose not to transform it instead. That includes itself. So now you are in control. Very cool. And it says, whenever a werewolf you control transforms, create a 2-2 wolf creature token. And then you can pay green and red to transform target werewolf. So it can transform itself back into a human. So you can be like, oh, I want the anthem now. Flip it back over. Wait a second, Josh. So Josh and I, independent of each other, said we need something that transforms that and is an activated ability that does it. Uh, and then also we wanted synergies with wolves. And we wanted some kind of tension in that you created tension of like, oh, but it's fun to flip all of them. Yeah. So I have to figure out, I got to really sequence my plays in the correct way. And mine is like, you don't have control over one side of the flipping of the commander. And it has an anthem effect for the tokens it creates on opposite sides. So you have to really, you know, sort of negotiate, not necessarily politically. I just mean like sequencing of how you're going to get it flipped to the right side when you want it, get the anthem effect. And once you get a bunch There's of tokens. There's a cool threat of activation yeah. there too. You're swinging in and you're like, all right, I will turn my werewolf over. And now they have plus two plus two. And it creates, you it's know. It's cool. And maybe it creates a token or whatever. Yeah. So again... I don't know what that card would be costed and what its power and toughness would exactly. be. Exactly, but. but here's here's the thing: is that this is the interesting process. Is we're like, hey, we need a werewolf, and then in doing this, we came up with a lot of things that we actually needed concrete ideas. We of course don't have the specifics together, and some of these might be ridiculous. Like you might you might point on the comments, it's like uh, one of those is going to be awful because of this center. Yeah, yeah. or it's going to immediately go infinite with this card, and that's why R and D has such a tough <laughs> job. Yeah. And we we right now have an easy job because we just get to throw it in the ether and go like something like this <laughs> hey, but better do all the hard work <laughs> okay we're gonna tell you what you want and you build it uh this is something that you pointed out as a problem that i definitely agree with but mm -hmm. i hadn't really thought about until now so go ahead, i'll let you read so it. what i did is i kind of thought in my mind about what decks exist in other formats that don't exist in commander and one or at least aren't very good yeah I, this one might. This is burn that we're talking Jimmy about. Jimmy has one. It's Jimmy a, a, has a burn deck. A Neheb one, but it's not that great. That's a Neheb deck. That's not a burn deck. Anyway, no, no, no. It, it's literally like he built his Neheb deck. Does he have lightning so bolt in there? It only has burn spells. It's like wow. It's fireballs okay. and stuff. Okay, it, it, okay. Like, Respect. It doesn't win though. <laughs> Mostly because he doesn't draw burn, mana. Okay. okay, burn is. <laughs> this is another problem. <laughs> burn is prevalent in all of these other formats and it's it's cool and interesting and fun to play and it just is not very good in commander and it doesn't translate well because every other format we can grab cards from them and use it for ourselves and burn doesn't work like that because we have 40 life and in other formats they have 20 life also they have one opponent yeah oh, so you have even to worse. So you have to do 20 damage in a normal format in our format you have to do 120 damage <laughs> Yeah, it's just, it doesn't scale well. Exactly. Into our format. It doesn't yeah. scale well. So I was thinking of a commander that could help scale burn so that it ends up being a viable uh, strategy. Uh, I'm actually going to read you a real card. This card exists. It's called Ember Mahelion. Three red red for a four five. If another red source you control would deal damage to a permanent or player, it deals that much damage plus one to that permanent or player instead. Okay, so this actually this exists. This is a card that exists, and you're going to kind of riff off of this 
um, ability. Yeah. Okay. And so this is not outside. This is not some weird, crazy thing outside of, of imagination. We can have a card that literally multiplies damage. Okay. And so let's I, see your card. Yeah. My <laughs> card is what I call oh, Ember Channeler. One in a red for a creature. This is going to be a human wizard. And it doesn't matter what it is. It's like a one one. Um, Okay, Ember Channel. Okay, if another red source you control would deal damage to a permanent player, it deals that much damage plus one, plus two. We can balance it however we want instead. I do think that you need to have this creature have some sort of evasion or some sort of ability to defend itself. And so I said discard a card, maybe at random, and Ember Channeler gains indestructible until end of turn. So basically it's a commander, it's a commander that can come down early, be somewhat protected and make burn work. Mm, interesting. I do like the idea of scaling the damage at sort of a flat rate. Yeah. Just to give it a little extra oomph. Yeah. One doesn't feel like enough though. It probably isn't. We probably need, but we, again, we have to balance it because it can't be something crazy. Because otherwise Pyrohemia becomes insanity. I know. Or legacy players start playing it. Oh, that's a really good point. Well, you just cost, you make it a five drop. I, but see, uh, again, if you make it a five drop, then it doesn't fulfill the role of burn, I think. I think this needs to be low cost to come down early, so then you can start playing burn spells rather than waiting to play your, what, how many six yeah. mana, if it's on five, how many six mana burn spells are there? Yeah, that's a really good point. So it needs to come out early. There's a tension here. You've yeah. got to create, yeah, the legacy thing's not something I thought about, but yeah, you have to create it at a rate or do something about it that... Just imagine if it added it two or three. Yeah, just imagine if it added two or three. I think legacy players and add protection. I think legacy players would play that. If it added one, because burn decks are already viable. If it's like a one mana, legacy burn is very viable. Yeah, one one. Like maybe you have to take off the indestructible part. Okay, the, the, we're we're getting into something we don't want to do, which is making the perfect card. Yeah, we want to okay. we want to point <laughs> out flaw, flaws and possible solutions. Okay, so here's what I had, and I thought it could be on a creature. Uh, or sorry, a legendary creature, but I'm not sure the sizing or what it's going to cost. But you make a good point about um, being careful of the legacy thing, and I accidentally solved that a little bit in this. Oh, so, good, good, good. So let's say it was a two-mana 2-2, two, two, and it just said, if a red source you control would deal damage to an opponent, it deals that much damage to each opponent instead. That's good. It multiplies the burnout. Do you think that would make burn viable if, if a lightning bolt turned into three to each player? It's nine damage for one mana. It's pretty. I mean, it's that's pretty, pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, you still have to string together a lot, but you. you but still, so so that's what that solves is the multiplayer aspect, but yeah. it still doesn't address the idea that you're you still have to go from from twenty instead of twenty to zero from forty to zero. Correct, but you have forty life also, so you have more time to do it. That's true. I, I think that is sort of evening in and of itself, and then you're we're not running into the legacy problem. There yeah. is a card. That burn players oh. wish had a legend was a legendary. I totally wish so this, this too. Was, yeah, this is what I was bringing up on my phone, by the way. Um, so this is a card that may make burn more viable if they had this type of effect on a legendary. You want to just throw it? I do. <laughs> Josh, you're gonna wait for me. You're like, you really want to throw it there? I'm like, you? you know, the sound. We just oh, hit the lens. Nice work. Okay. It's Soulfire Grandmaster. This is the card I think that a lot of people who would like Burn to work wish was a legendary creature. It's a one and a white for a two-two. It's not legendary. It's a human monk. It has lifelink. It says instant and sorcery spells you control have lifelink. And then you can pay two and then two hybrid blue-red. So either two and two blue, two and two red, two a blue and a red. 
And it says, the next time you cast an instant or sorcery spell from your hand this turn, put that card into your hand instead of into your graveyard as it resolves. This is a really interesting card that might make burn viable in that one of burn's other problems is I cast lightning bolts, regardless of how much damage it does, the card, it's just a card gone. And if I go to your face, it's just gone. And most commander games, not it's most. It's irrelevant until that lightning bolt brings you from three to zero. Yes. And a lot of commander games are sort of won by card advantage and burn naturally is not a card advantage um, type of a strategy. But this ability to put it back in your hand could sort of make you or make it so burn could win an attrition war, at least has a chance. And I think we need to, again, tweak this kind of stuff because Soulfire Grandmaster, people aren't playing it and imagining like, oh, I'm going to play Lightning Bolt. They're thinking about playing uh, Time Walks effects. Yeah, correct. Yeah, and, correct. and like basically taking all the turns. Correct. You have to change it so that... Exactly. Yeah. But I've heard Burn players be like, oh, I'd like to build a Burn deck around this card. Absolutely. Okay. The next problem is related. And I think the next two are sort of all in the same... I don't know, the same category, which is kind of that like when we went to a multiplayer format with 40 Life a couple of strategies kind of naturally took it in the gut. And how can we bring those strategies into the viable category? Mm -hmm. Where like, we don't want to make them the best strategy. You don't want to make it so Burn's just better than everything else. You just want to make it so Burn could be played and have a chance to win. Yeah. Okay, so the next problem is aggro needs help. Aggro strategies in general are just weaker. We've talked about this a lot on the show. Um, Voltron is an aggro strategy, but even like Infect, as much as people get mad about it when they see it, Infect decks almost never it's fine. win the game. They often will knock out a player, but they just don't have enough gas to get there in the end. And the same thing can be said for a lot of other aggro strategies. You might be coming back and say, I have an aggro deck and it's great, uh, but it might not have the elastic power and your play group can easily answer it. They're like, oh, I guess I can't play the six mana board wipe. I'll, I'll play, play Whelming Wave instead. instead or Propaganda. Yeah. There's so many answers. So that's a reason why I think it's a problem. Um, to me, this one, I feel like, again, we're going to an existing thing that Magic already has and just trying to bring it into your command zone, kind of. I think Monarch is the answer to this because aggro decks are dealing combat damage. They're dealing it early. What they tend to do is run out of gas and not just can't get there. And Monarch feels like the perfect incentive and reward for an aggro deck and creates the type of a game that an aggro deck wants where people are swinging each other trying to grab that crown. Yeah, you're you're always attacking and you get the monarch when you deal combat damage to an opponent. That's when you steal the monarch back. And if you are creating a board presence, you're less likely to lose the monarch, giving yourself a really easy form of card advantage that plays into the aggro strategy. And the monarch, if for those that don't know, it was invented for Conspiracy 2 and it's... It's what is it? An emblem? A token? Yeah, it's a token. It's a thing you get. It's an, em it's an emblem. Yeah, there are cards that say when you play this, you become the monarch. And once the monarch's on the table, what happens is whoever deals combat damage to the monarch then becomes the monarch. They take the crown. So one person has the crown at all time, and whoever has the crown gets to draw an additional card on their end step. So you're, you've got your own personal howling mine. It's just one extra card per turn if you're the monarch, but you can lose it anytime somebody baps you with combat damage. I so, love the Monarch. You love the Monarch too, I love right? it a lot. And yeah. I really, really wish it had been invented when Commander was invented because I feel like the entire format could be changed by it. To me, I've always compared it to the blinds in poker where if you're a poker player, you understand that there's a, there's a forced bet 
that happens. And if you've ever played poker at like a home game where they don't play with blinds or something. Or they don't up the blinds. Then <laughs> what happens is there's no incentive for action to happen in the game. And, and so what that ends up happening, and this happens in a lot of commander games, is it's very passive. It's easy to fold because you don't have anything that you're risking at any time. And so you just wait for the best hands and play those, and it's it's pretty boring. It's easy to hold up mana and hold back, keep your creatures back, be more defensive, uh, rather than swing out because what's your reward punishing. for singing for swinging? Yeah. So here's my idea. Maybe there's a partner commander, but it's somehow worded so that it can only pair with a creature that is only red or white. Because you want to limit. You say aggro is a problem. I can't just give this cool monarch thing to everyone so i'm going to limit it to the aggro colors yes i want it to be mono red mono white or red white can partner with this commander and it can partner with any of them uh that are those colors does it have to be have partner or it can no it can just partner with any existing so tajik cool. could get this right partner with a red slash and or white or it's, legend it's almost like you have to word it like partner with a non-green black or blue legendary mm. creature yeah. Anyway, so then it sits in your command zone and it just has an eminence ability and all it says is the first player to deal combat damage to another player becomes the monarch. That's it. It just guarantees the monarch is in the game hmm. and you can turn your deck into the aggro deck that knows that monarch is going to exist in that game. I like that you're limiting it to red and white because if this was, say, a land... I think that you might play that land in your Thrasios deck. Yeah, and just because I have a two drop. You have a two drop, and you're not trying to be aggressive. You're just trying to poke someone with Thrasios and then block with your one three and then just kind of draw a few extra cards. Yeah, Reese the Redeemed is another one. It's a one drop commander. It doesn't need the help of Monarch, and yet it would naturally run a card if it could because it's likely to have its commander out almost guaranteed before anybody else and get a free swing. But like Isimaru or something like that would really, one mana Zergo, those real aggressive creatures would really need the Monarch to be viable. Yeah, if they did, I mean, think of how much better those decks get just immediately. They would. Here's the thing, they wouldn't become broken. They no. would just, they'd just be able to finally hang. I'm still not scared of them, but they're better. Yeah, I'm still not scared of them either. Yeah, but it's it helps them, right? Like if somebody comes with a Gideon, uh, yeah. Kithian deck, sorry. Yeah. Like I've seen that deck before and you see it and you're like, well, I'm not going to have to worry about that player. <laughs> like that's just, sorry, but that's just what you think. But if it the Monarch thing happened, you'd be like, okay, it's a little bit like I still don't have to worry a ton, but they're, they're, they're going to be play. committing to the board, but they're still going to have seven cards in hand. Yeah. And so when you board wipe, you're not taking them out of the game completely. Yeah, it's not like I do one punch and they're out. I'm going to have to throw a couple of punches at them. And that means that they have a much better chance. Yeah. Uh, okay. Also, I like that it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily accelerate their clock because their clock is dictated on their mana curve. Right. Not necessarily the amount of card advantage that they have. And so if we were to try to pump up the aggro by giving them sort of more damage, then like, let's say that we multiplied the damage like we did with burn or something like that, then it would increase their ability to take out one player. And I don't think we want that. We don't want them to be able to punch one player really well. We want them to stay in the game and play more magic. It doesn't, it'll just create a situation where the aggro player is just going to very quickly take out one player and that player is going to sit there, but there's the aggro player still won't win. I don't think that's fun. Yeah. Yeah. You want them to take them out at the same rate they are now, but just have more oomph later in the game where they don't just fall off around turn 10 where it's like, well, aggro player didn't win yet. (laughs) They're never going to. Yeah. And and also you don't take them out. You're just kind of like, yeah, you're controlled. You're fine. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
The next problem is related. It's that Mono White and Boros, uh, they kind of suck. I want to say something here, which is that Mono Red, I don't feel like. And when we started this podcast, you know, four, geez, four years ago, Mono Red, I think, was closer to what Mono White is now. It was still a little better, but it was pretty bad. But they've created a bunch of stuff for Red over the last few years. Impulsive Draw is I one of the, the things. I love the Impulsive Draw that they've added, yeah. Neheb is a really big one. That's Ramp on your commander. They've mm-hmm. really got red to the point where i feel like mono red is i even good. i even like uh like grenzo the yep. the one that gives you like a weird draw effect off of your opponents Feldendex are really good Duretti oh, yeah. or Duretti's decks are really too. good yeah there's kiki there's jiki decks draw. are really good kiki jiki's been around for a while i'm just saying but like, yeah yeah like you get like tuck tuck and all kinds of like stuff where like that deck's actually pretty good. I even like the um, the red card draw out of Battle Bond where you're able to access your opponent's decks. Yep. And it's that impulsive oh, yeah. draw off of your opponent's decks. That's um, amazing. What's the new dragon, the the or the new dinosaur that like plays all the cards off of your opponent's libraries? Um Urtai? Yeah, uh, the, yeah, yeah. The primal sir Smiral Storm or whatever like that. Yeah. What's the name of that card? It's on the screen right now. You can just look at it. But some people listen to the podcast. <laughs> Hold on. I'm going to look it up. Talk. Say something. Say something smart. Okay. Well, I'm going to talk about a little bit about red in terms of card draw because that's what we've been talking about. Itali. Okay. Itali is the right. Primal Storm. Ur- Urtai is the, the Yes, Esper I knew that one. was wrong as soon as the it came out of my one. mouth. Um, but see, we've been talking about all this card draw and that's actually good that they've moved into that space because I think that some other card draw has moved out of our range. One thing that Josh and I were bemoaning a little while ago is that Wheel of Fortune is so expensive and that has to be, that used to be my go-to red card draw. It's the, I believe it's the best red card in the format. It, it being so good. But it's reserve and, list. Yeah, it's reserve list, it's expensive and it, it feels awkward suggesting, well, I need some more card on this. Oh, but did you put in this $100 card that's impossible to get? Oh, that feels bad. Yeah. And so now, though, we have Chandra's. There's card draw on Chandra's that are really good. And like we mentioned, all these other ways to do it, this impulsive card draw. And now they've kind of filled the gap as Wheel of Fortune and those wheel effects have kind of left being still very powerful, but not a necessity like it used to be. Well, they moved a lot of that into blue. Yeah. Like blue needed it into windfall. I think back in the day, like you needed Wheel of Fortune in a mono red deck. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now I don't think you need it. No, I, I think you'll be fine. Outpost sieges and stuff like that have covered us in that area. So, but but mono white still, it's like way behind the others now. Because yeah. think of it, mono blue, great. Mono green, great. Mono black, great. Mono red, pretty good. Mono white, ee, way behind. It's not even like in the race really. And yeah, and and Boros as a result because red's still the I think the least powerful of of the colors. So when you pair it with the least powerful color, they're just too far behind. So I think those two colors, I was going to say color pairs, but mono white's not a pair. Um, they need some help. And I think it'd be easy to help it too. If we got the right kind of commander, we don't have the right commander to really create a balanced Boros deck because white has tons of answers. And red actually has tons of answers too. If you think of some of the best removal, it is in white and red. It's yeah. really strong. But there's nothing that guarantees you the things you need in Commander, which is rampant card draw, and we always talk about. Exactly. If Neheb, I think, was just a Boros card, that would have been the best Boros Commander, right? Because it's it's 
it's mana ramp. I mean, that's a. It's not hard to be the best Boros commander. True, because they're. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, the Relis and the Gisellas and all that stuff. I know you people love those decks. But they're, they're, here's the thing. They're powerful, but they still just do what Boros does, which is tons of damage. Yeah. So I think Impulsive Draw. Impulsive Draw, for those that don't know, is Red's sort of ability to exile the top card of either your library, and I think that could extend to your opponent's library. And then when it says. And you may play that card until end of turn, or you, you may it. cast that card until end of turn. Exactly. So, Use it now. Yeah, it has a downside of you don't get to hold it in your hand till next turn of the turn or the turn after that. You have to either cast it now or not. But at the same time, it does provide card advantage. It's a card that you have access to that, you know, is above and beyond the one card you draw per turn. And I think white could start getting some good card draw, but it's not there. They White's great at tutoring. Like they tutor legends and stuff like that. Uh, white is the ability to get lands into your hand is pretty good. We just got a reprint of land tax, yep. which is a very powerful card. But that's card advantage, but it's not on a legendary creature and you're not guaranteed to get it. And for whatever reason, they've been very hesitant to give redundancy of some effects too white so like land mentor of the meek mentor of the meek something. every time i see it i'm like why is there not more of this they did bygone bishop which is a little bit but you have to cast them it's not etbs and, and then white you makes still a lot of tokens. pay too yeah it just white needs more either white needs more cards in the 99 like non-legendary cards that give it the ability to draw cards like more cards that say like if you gain life pay one mana draw a card something like that or it needs a, a commander that will give it card draw or ramp like knight of the white orchid um i guess that's a more in the 99 style what if land tax was kind of on a legendary creature in some way i think that'd be a good card <clears throat> um i also think that i also think that white needs to rely a little bit less on artifacts mm. like what uh you just described if you gain a life draw a card that's well of lost that's dreams, well of lost dreams yeah. uh and so you really mm. have to dip into artifacts which are vulnerable and uh, you some and same thing with the mana ramp. Like you need to dip into those mana rocks, which some people say is a problem, and that's why Treasure Napper was Nabber was created because they're like, well, mana rocks are running rampant, and so the reliance on artifacts to make white balanced means that it's almost always behind curve and it's almost always clunky and you are always reaching for something that's just okay rather than having something that your color does well. Yeah. All right, this is a big one. I think this is probably my biggest thing that, and it's the hardest to solve. <laughs> but I, if I had one thing about the format, uh, do I want to say that? I I'll th say it. I will say it. I, I this think, is my one thing about the format. Yeah, this, I actually think it is. I think it's one of the biggest problems. Yeah, and I, 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 I hope they can solve this because as I was trying to tackle it, I was like. Dang, this is really hard to solve. I hope they solve it in an elegant way because we kind of clumsily tried to solve it, I think. It's hard. Yeah. So the problem is that green's land-based ramp is too good. So we're their, talking- Their mana dorks are fine. We're talking about yeah. specifically cards like Rampant Growth, cards like Kodama's Reach, Cultivate, um, Sky Shard Claim, all those cards that put lands directly into play. Green's really- Burgeoning and Exploration Burge too. Yep. Green's really the only color that does this besides like Knight of the White Orchid and a couple others, but green has the market cornered on putting lands into play so that you have more lands than your land per turn would allow. And the problem here is that mass land destruction 
is frowned upon in the format. So the social contract kind of gets rid of the natural che checks and balances that Magic has, has put on this stuff. Yeah. Um, and so the green deck just has way more mana than everybody else. And the other colors just don't have a tool at their disposal to even it out, really. I mean, like if you are, if stuff. you're ramping like crazy in artifacts, that's actually a limited thing that can get taken out all the time. There's ways to bounce it. We have board wipes that wipe away all of the artifacts, like Vandal Blast them oh, away, yeah. and then suddenly your mana base is gone, and no one bats an eye. Everyone's totally fine with that, but as soon as you mess with their lands, it's somehow like bad. Just if you've ever played a green deck that's playing Ramper Gross and Cultivates, and you compare your mindset when you're doing that to your mindset when you're playing a non green deck and you're playing Signets and things like that, you know that in the green deck you feel 100% safe. I'm going to do this. My lands are going to be there, and that's it. I'm ramped. And I've done that for the entirety of the game. And in the other deck with the rocks, you're like, this is good, but it could all go horribly wrong. I mean, I better use it now because yes. I, this is not going to be around forever. I mean, it, it, I could definitely get, you know, I could definitely get my legs cut off here at any moment. So, yes, I have a sweet opener that went, you know, soul ring into Signet, into some kind of monolith, and it's looking great. But, man, I could really, really get blown out. Whereas if you have an equivalent green start, you're like, I'm just, I'm golden. Yeah. I, I have five lands in play. Everybody else has two okay you can't really do that i've got seven everybody else has four that's just an advantage i'm going to keep i totally agree and also sometimes the ability to put multiple lands into play uh, isn't as punishable with the card pool that we have so if you put two forests onto the battlefield you've generated two lands and there's not a lot of things that will easily incidentally take out those two lands yeah whereas acidic slimes and restoration nope What's the slime will take out lands, but I know, but people don't. And if they do, they only take out one. Yeah. Whereas your mana rock, the equivalent four mana mana rock, that one target suddenly affects two of your, um, two of your mana. Yeah. So you pay four mana in green and you get two lands that are somehow even more protected because there's two objects versus the same four mana rock. Thrawn dynamo, which somebody might take exactly, out. Exactly. Yeah. Which, which is a single target that is more susceptible to the removal that exists in the format. Yeah, that's that's do a really. Do you ever use acidic slime on a land? If you do, it's might it's be one that taps for more than one mana. It's, I mean, yes, but it's a crazy land. Yeah, like, it's maze of it. It's glacial chasm. It's no. Do I use it on a basic forest? No. Uh, but that's what on, they but got. But do you use it on Thran Dynamo? Yeah, that's yeah, for sure. I, yeah, I do yeah. too. Just depends. Uh, Grim Monolith or something like that, more likely. But yes, yeah. I use it on something that bat basalt monolith. Like the, that card's scary. So you're like, boom, gone. Yeah. And you one for one them. Actually, you, you two for one them because you still have the acidic slime and you're probably going to. Yeah, it's a really good point. Okay, so here we here we tried to figure out a way. Okay, I actually came up. This is a real card again. Yes. Gift of Estates is one in a white for a sorcery. If an opponent controls more lands than you, search your library for up to three planes cards, reveal them, and put them into your hand, then shuffle your library. This is land tax a little bit too, right? White has a suite of cards that sort of says, if somebody's got more lands than you, you can try to even the scales a little bit, but they always go into your hand. Just imagine if this went into play. Yeah. Then we, like we were talking about white needing this ability to mana ramp, 
so I made a different card that tweaks it a little bit that kind of takes Gift of Estates and this idea of green-based ramp. This is your best um, card, <laughs> card name it's of a, the, all of them. Huge tracks of land. Tracks of land. <laughs> huge tracks of land. Uh Mana cost, we, who cares? Okay. If an opponent would have a land enter the battlefield except the first one each turn, then you may search your library for a basic land card and put it onto the battlefield tapped. If an opponent would have a land enter the battlefield except... Yeah, I like this a lot, actually. So this is the same wording on things like Notion Thief and the one if they would draw more than one card a turn. Yes. Instead, if you play more than one land per turn, then you're like, oh, I'll do that too. Yep. I really like that. I would almost rename it to, or reword it to. You would not rename this. No, not rename it. Sorry, <laughs> I would reword it to. Uh, no, I guess th- would this work on burgeoning on somebody else's turn? No, because it says each turn. So actually, it's, it gets our burgeoning gets around it. Maybe if you said except for the first land on their turn. Now that could work then. Yeah, yeah. I'm okay with it dodging burgeoning if it literally it's hits card. every yeah. other stuff. But yeah, you're right. Ah, I like this. I almost wish it was an artifact. So that other be. other colors would have uh, access to it. Yeah, it could be an artifact. Or one thing that's really tricky is the mana cost because this is a very powerful effect. But you want it to be low enough CMC to be able to hit other people's ramp. But it's not powerful. Your actually, it's very narrow. It's super narrow, right? So it could be one or two mana because mm-hmm. it could do nothing. It could literally do nothing. Yeah, it could. Do, like, Wait, for one, question, would you play this card? In, that's what I was just going to ask you. Would you play this card in white? I would. So you'd have to do. I'm trying to. My brain's trying to do a bunch of data. Actually, in red, I would too. My my brain's trying to pull a bunch of data on like in your average game, how much does this happen, and how often do you run into a game where nobody plays a rampant growth or, or cultivate? And it definitely happens. It's just when and when you draw this too. It's a it's an interesting card. It's a good design. I'm not sure I would put it into any decks just because it's going to be dead sometimes. Mm-hmm. And definitely, you name white. White can't afford to have dead cards. Blue can. Because it draws a ton of cards. You know? That's the problem. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yep, that's yep, really yep. interesting. But I do like the design. I like the I also, idea. One thing that I also like is that if we if we ever pitch a card and it's like, oh, it's a non-occluded in every deck, we might not have done our job right. Right. Yeah. That's so true. Some of the, so some of these cards that we've mentioned, we're trying to find that balance of, well, is it good enough? Maybe I Would you play yet. it? Yeah. Yeah. I but think I, I... Tell me if you'd play this. I think... To me, this is a big enough problem that I would be fine with it being the answer being prolific to the point where like the green players would have to start thinking like, Ooh, do okay. I want to run rampant growth or would I rather run like one of these enchant land things or one or a mana dork because it's become prevalent enough out there to punish that. And, and actually that's what you did is that you went the punish. I went the, I want to piggyback off of your ramp and you went sort of the more punishing route. Right. So I didn't actually come up with any good wording, but what I wanted to do was punish the land ramp in the way that Vandal Blast or Nev's Disc, that kind of stuff, punishes everyone else when they do their ramp. Something that makes a green player down card advantage when you do it, not just catch up to them. And there's there's different white cards that kind of do what you're saying. There's some balance type effects that mm-hmm. kind of put everybody to the same amount of lands. Yep. That's, I, I, I just want it to be more like Vandal Blast. I want it to be, where, well, like I said, I want the green, whatever the effect is, I want the green player to be like, when they're deck building, do I want cultivate? Do I want explosive vegetation? It's not just like brainlessly, yep, because it's always good and it's awesome. Would, like I make a token deck, cultivate goes in it. I make 
I make a uh, control deck. Cultivate goes in a combo deck. You know, like yeah. Are are you looking for a static effect that hits every single land drop that's more than one, or are you thinking about a I gotcha where you ramped and then instead you had to sacrifice two lands? Yeah, something like that. I think so. So you want like a one-off effect where you want a static effect where they just uh, can't yeah, ramp. Yeah, I think one-off. Vandal blast. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. basically, it's like if if more than one land enter the battlefield this turn, you know, its opponent instead sacrifices that many lands or something like that. Yeah, some, I don't know how to word it. I was thinking like, yeah, you would, something that would be like, you know, if it's turn seven and somebody has eight or more lands, then they have to sacrifice those extra lands or something. But you can't template a card like that. It's just, yeah. it's a weird thing. But something that just says, yep, all that mana and time you spent, you go back to even. Yeah, that's an interesting effect. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But the point is, is that this is a problem that I think is the most important problem in Commander. Yeah, it's just, a lot of it's the social contract and, and the way that that's set up. And, and green green land-based stuff is just a loophole. It feels like a loophole in the rules. And I don't think that, a lo- some of the tools that they give us are like a non-basic land destruction. Like Wave of Vitriol is, was printed kind of to try to solve this kind of thing. Uh, for a while, they were gonna try to control the non-basic lands a little bit. And I don't actually think that's the the answer. Because I don't want to punish people trying to do interesting strategies with lots of colors. I just want to punish the person trying to ramp ahead, just like you would punish my artifact ramp. Yeah, or I my, just or I my wa- creature. Ramp. I want to punish the player that spends their first five turns just putting extra lands into play. Because the format, like we said, aggro is not that good, and that's the way you would normally punish it. But if I play aggro, I'm going to beat that player and then lose to everybody. You're totally else. right. Yeah, like you in other formats, you can't afford to do that. Right. Or you have to jump through a lot of hoops to do it. Um, but in this one, because aggro doesn't balance it out, you're free to do whatever you want. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, there's one more problem that we have on our list. And this is one I put down. And it's that all top, t- all the top tier decks in the format, all the CEDH decks are combo decks. It feels like the format needs a way to punish infinite combos, make them less viable, I would like it if some of the more powerful decks in the format, something that was at least in contention, was not a combo deck. So this is where I kind of disagree with yeah. you. I think that stacks decks are really, really powerful, and, and especially in CDH, and they do punish combo. They feed on combo not being able to go off with their stacks effects, with their taxation effects. What's the big stacks deck? Uh, based in blue. Um, but what is it? Because we know like Teferi, uh, One, Chain Veil. We know like Breakfast Hulk. We know the Thrasios decks. We know the Timna decks. Timna we is know... sort of a creature-based deck though. One thing that is that, but that you are right we know is that Day. all of we these know... end up winning through combo. Yeah. Uh, there are a few decks. I know one that runs that actually runs Karanos, and Karanos is one of the only win conditions, that it's such a staxy deck that it shuts everything down and then Karanos will eventually win. I think, but it's it still probably combos out, right? I, again, we're not CEDH experts. I don't and know. So the, I, I don't, don't know the wanna, Karanos tier one deck, but I'll, I'll take your but, word for but, it. But it might not. The the current version might not be Karanos, but stacks is a real thing. Yeah, and I think I, stacks decks are very good. But I guess I just when I look at the top tiers and I you know at the top tables at um, the Commander Championship, I don't believe there was a stacks deck in that. Mm-hmm. They, those were all combos, and. I guess it, Edgar Edgar combos, right? Um, Edgar's the Edgar's, one that won. Edgar's I'm pretty sure it does. Well, here's the thing. My feeling is that regardless of if there's like one or two 
other sort of decks that sometimes make it in there. In other formats, combo is like a viable archetype, but it's not dominant it's to the point. It's a tiny part of the, of the archetype. In standard, you have to try real hard to combo. This is the inverse of burn because combo doesn't care how many opponents you have. It's doing something infinite amount of times. Burn is very much caring about the number of opponents you have because it can only reach a certain amount, but it can do that sort of very quickly. So what I'd like to do is, you know, we're bumping up burn. I would like to nerf combo a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I came up with a card. Here we go. <laughs> this is just an idea, okay? It's got split second. It says any opponent who has cast a spell with the same name or activated an ability with the same name. I don't know how you say that about an ability, but at least 10 times this turn immediately loses the game. Or the same, basically the same trigger goes dual, on the stack. Something goes on the stack if the same thing goes on the stack or something like that. Yeah, if they if they loop something 10 times, they lose. Instead of winning, they lose. That's very cool. Are there are there combos Would that you get around that? this? I mean, no, I wouldn't. But yeah. I mean, there's certain... There's probably combos that don't... Hmm, that's interesting. Um, does like the... No, the chain veil is an activated ability. The Teferi chain veil. Ones that, that will give you an extra turn, that will get around this card. True. Yeah. Um, yeah, because they're casting on different Exactly, because it's going to be on different turns. Yeah, I was thinking like... like um, like um, Breakfast Hulk type combos where it's like you're not casting the same card. You're yeah, reanimating you it. So you could still do it. So, uh, it's, that probably re- some so it's that reanimate ability Reve- that does Revel it. Arc, uh, Karmic Guide type combos probably still work because you're not casting. You're in, you're in some infinite loops. I mean, you could see, rename it. But what about it. things like, like Aristocrats that just like you sacrifice, like you're using that sacrifice outlet yeah. like 40 times. Yeah. That's, you still want to like punish those kinds of things? No, maybe that's fine. Maybe I'm saying okay. this we doesn't... We need to word it in a certain way that does that. This doesn't stop this. Well, oh, there's okay. an activated ability. I guess so. I yeah. guess I would be fine with something that just sort of... I don't want to limit infinite combos all the time. I just want them to have to go like, hmm, that player has one in a wide open or whatever it costs, you know? And, and yeah. it's like, do I go for it? Because if I don't, I, if, if they have it, I'm going to lose. That's interesting. Yeah. I like I like the ability I like the idea of being able to uh, attack limited spells, but also limited activated activated abilities. Like maybe a trick bind with storm, almost like a fluster storm effect, but one that counters these activated abilities and maybe even prevents them from being cast. Almost like a silence effect too. Could be kind of cool. I know the commander and guys, or at least Phil Deluca in their playgroup. I don't know if they do this anymore, but for a while they kind of had a house rule that was like any demonstrated loop. Yeah, you, you could only do it five times, times. Yeah. and then you, so you can still get value and you can still do stuff, but you're not just going to infinitely kiki jiki. See, I don't like that. I think it, I think it punishes those effects and you find the right five things. Uh, but then all the other ones that give you tiny bits of value just are unplayable. What do you mean? Like if you, let's say for example, you're getting one, one bats and yeah. you could get 10, one, one bats. They might limit the loop to five times. Whereas if you're taking an extra turn or, you know, copying multiple spells, some huge effect, it's punished in the same way. Yeah, it's interesting. Creating a 1-1 bat versus, you know, getting an extra combat step are treated the same way in that scenario. Yeah. Well, I wasn't saying holding that up as like the paragon of the exact solution. But what you're saying is that some people find it enough of a problem to say, look, we need a house rule to answer it rather than having a card to answer it. Actually, house rules to answer things are a good idea. Yeah, and I think you can house rule a lot of this stuff, but it does make it difficult. And I'm kind of like, I can't house rule stuff in my playgroup. Like, that doesn't make sense because what are we talking Then we're not talking about Commander on our show. We're talking about a subset 
of Commander, right? And there's a lot of people like, you're going to go to a GP and play, or you're going to play with people that you've never played with before, and your decks are going to be super skewed towards a house rule that doesn't exist in the real world. And so, yes, it's always nice to say the thing, like, you could just house rule that. That solves everything. But it's not viable for a lot of people, not just content creators. I just think a lot of people, even before I was making content for Commander, I wouldn't want to do house rules because it's like training wheels or, listen, I don't, that's disparaging. It's not like training wheels, but it is like, I'm not playing exactly Commander anymore. I'm you, playing you are like- narrowing, You're narrowing everything and then saying that if you want to play with me, you have to also narrow your deck. Or otherwise I got to take my deck out into the wild and it's built for a different environment than, mm-hmm. you know, than regular commander and and so clearly it's a weird balance to try to figure yeah. this out because uh, like you said people try to blanket statement just house rule if you don't like it then your friends don't play it that's fine but a lot of times you're dealing with a lot of different people and you're right if you were to sit down across the table from jimmy and you decided not to use a soul ring that's cool but your play experiences are so much more diverse and yours probably are too listener you probably go to different game stores and see different people and and play lots of different commander or you don't now but at some point in the future you know somebody moves away somebody comes into your play group that wasn't there before or you move away or you meet some new people that play or all kinds of things can happen where all of a sudden i don't know it's just a lot easier and safer to go with the normal rules and that so, kind of sums up a lot of this this whole thing that we're talking about is we find these issues and it could be easy to ban it and by the way a house rule is kind of like a ban you know what I mean? For sure. I mean, that's Phil kind of basically the, banned infinite combos in his play. Yeah, that's that seems like the the way out that you might be forced to. But hopefully, we now get more answers. Maybe if there's enough answers for combo, they might maybe the commander guys might open it up and say, okay, combo's fine now. I can deal with it. Yeah, or at least the combo player. It's kind of like the green player. I just want the combo player to have to like think about it and worry about it. And they do in some cases. Like they don't want to just play into blue mana or whatever mm-hmm. sometimes or they have to hold up their counter spells and i'm sure a lot of combo players that's why i wanted to give it split second and make it harder to interact with but yeah. i'm just saying like i believe that combo is probably a little too strong in the format and it could use a nerf but i'm not exactly sure how exactly to nerf it and this just demonstrates how tough of a job r&d has designing cards for our format they're trying to plug holes but how do you do it in an elegant way that doesn't create more problems than it solves yeah definitely okay um, oh, we wanted to just really quickly touch on some other things that would be cool, but we don't have to expand on that, you know, we think are missing. And this is by no means comprehensive, but these were cards that we kind of came up with and thought about, but then we felt that it didn't really deserve an entire category for it. Yeah. Like it'd be cool. We've mentioned this before to have like a cycling commander. And and also we just got energy. It would be really cool to be able to play, expand that theme and play with more of those cards right now. It feels really limited. Yeah, something that deals with energy. It doesn't even have to say energy specifically, but just kind of takes advantage of that kind of mechanic. Yeah. Um, a spider, legendary creature. Josh, we just got a spider, legendary. Thantis, why? That's what I wrote down here. Thantis, why? Um, literally, uh, if Thantis <laughs> just said your spiders, spiders you control get plus two, plus two, it would have been more exciting, right? <laughs> I'm, Josh is uh, okay, but but actually, one thing that I mentioned before is I actually want a few more changelings, and I think that yeah. that could support a lot of different archetypes and a lot of different and fill uh, in like your ninjas like decks that. and your. It would actually be like filler for all the tribes that don't quite have enough. Like some tribes, there's like I would want to build that deck, but there are only sixteen playable you balancing know, cards in them that will tribe. be hard. Yeah, it will be actually hard. But um, I mean, mirror uh, and mirror entity. 
the is, one that pumps all of the stuff and and turns yeah. and turns things into whatever yeah. creature that's an amazing card there's it's really conspiracy fun. there's arcane adaptation too that change all your stuff into creature type that's yeah. that's a way to get around it. more of that is cool i like that um and then i thought and and animark you can kind of do this, but I thought a morph slash manifest uh, legendary creature. Would People be get cool. afraid of Anim- of Animar. Yeah, yeah. Animar's too good. It's too good. They get they get like on his normal out. strategy. So because yeah. morph is the morph Animar is like a strong deck, but not broken. Yeah. Animar used to be like a tier one deck. It's probably like tier two now. But I would like a morph manifest something that interacts with that because those mechanics are very cool. They are really cool. Do you know yeah. what I want that you reminded me of? I want more split second too. Oh uh, yeah, that could be cool too. How about split we just make a, just make more cards for us? That's split, just it. <laughs> split second is a very good commander um, mechanic, be, especially in non-blue, because it gives away around counterspells, and counterspells are another thing I think are probably just a little too strong in the format. It's not quite to the level of green ramp, but blue is the only color that can deal with everything. Yeah. Because it can deal with it before it hits the table. It's the only color that can really stop a lot of combos. Like I said, blue doesn't need an answer to Cyclonic Rift. It's the only color that really doesn't care about Cyclonic Rift. Here, have a swan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, okay. To the listeners, I bet you can't guess what the to the listeners question is for this episode. What do you think <laughs> our format needs? Uh, what cards would you design for Commander to kind of balance out some of the problems that you see? What other problems do you see? Basically, what would you add to our list? We're going to have a lot of cards in the comments below, aren't we? You should go to that website that lets you, you know, make the fake cards and post them into the comments. Can you do that on YouTube? You can put pictures in there, right? I don't know. For if somebody, I'm, pretty sh- I'm, I'm, I'm really sure you can't because wouldn't you see a bunch of pictures shoot, all the you time? See memes wouldn't you see all, memes like constantly? Yeah, so no, really I'm okay. positive you can. Tweet those at us uh, instead, or you can Facebook them to us as well. And then if you want to buy real cards that actually exists, not the cards that you've designed. Uh, and, and some of the things you probably want, like the Teferi's protections and, and certain things like yeah, that. Yeah, we talked about some cards that, that already do these things, the Gift of Estates that kind of does it halfway. We talked about, you talked about Split Second, you can get a sudden spoiling. Yeah, if you really want to be sad, you can get Ulrich of the Crawlin Horde. <laughs> and you can get all these things by going to cardkingdom.com slash zone. That's our affiliate link. If you use that when you order your magic product singles whatever you really are making sure this podcast and game nights and all of our content continues to happen we super appreciate it and while you're there you should check out ultra Pro products as well it doesn't have to be even be at car kingdom it can be at your lgs or at any other online retailer um ultra pro really does make some of the best stuff on the market the eclipse leaves all my decks are in eclipse leaves i finally switched them all over and i couldn't be happier they got that great shovels uh feel and they basically never break open i've used the same eclipse sleeves for like drafts i don't know for like eight months or something like a long time number of pre-releases so i I really do think eclipses are great you should check them out okay now it's time for the end step where we talk about something cool outside of the world of magic i have something cool you do rome the city in italy (laughs) the city have you heard of it it's this city the eternal city as they say so i uh i was just in rome and it was my second time there um dj you've been if people don't know dj you did i studied in uh, yeah i did a year of college in london and uh, actually my wife did the same year in florence and so florence is great too i know florence is great too um but i had a chance to travel around in college uh if you are in college and have an opportunity to study abroad you should do that if you're in life and you have the opportunity to go abroad you should do that that's true rome specifically i would recommend as a destination for a number of reasons a 
The food. Rome. Italy in general. The food is ridiculous. And Rome has like the gathering of all the different regions uh, available there. And so that that was actually the thing about Rome that was the hardest was like, how many meals do we have here? Okay, well, we have to get X, you know, I got to find the best gelato. We got to get the best pizza we can find. We have to get uh, some lobster linguine. We got to get beefsteak Florentine. You ever sit in the we afternoon and just enjoy like a, a cappuccino oh, or an espresso yeah. or something like that? You just kind of sit? That's sit in one, one of the piazzas <sighs> and just, yeah. I just want to sit or at, and drink coffee. At night, time. you just drink a bottle of wine and wander into. And, and the thing about, the second cool thing about Rome is anywhere you go, you're about to turn the corner and something from 2,500 years ago will be there. Like the Colosseum will be there or the Pantheon or the forum, see, the Vatican, the forum, the Vatican's not 2,500 years old, but some but the, of the, but a the lot Vatican of is stuff is filled with, it's crazy. It's, there's so much history there. There's so many interesting things to see. Yeah. And I, I love history. I've talked about my favorite podcast, hardcore history so many times. Yeah. So Rome has as much history as any place on the planet. It's really, really a fascinating place. And it's actually an easy place to travel to because basically everybody speaks English. Like, here's the thing. If you're going east, <laughs> if you're going Japan, you're going to China, you're going Vietnam, you know, a lot of those places I've, I have been to, those places are great. But the preparation you need to go there is a lot more because there's not as much English and you can't like read signs in those places if you're from the West. Yeah. And so if you're in Italy... Most people speak English. And if they say, like, find this street, you can read the signs because it's still in our same alphabet. And Do you want to know a trick in Eastern countries that yeah. my, my students told me? Hook it's it ask someone young because everyone oh, yeah. young is, has taught has learned English. But everyone older, it's like, no, they never even took English in high school or whatever like that. But if you're like, where is this? And they tell you, this is the street. Go oh, down yeah. here. You can't read the signs. Like so in Thai. You, yeah, yeah. So you're like, uh, I don't know what street this is because that sign is in you know, a language that I cannot read. Yeah. That's the good thing about Europe. If This is, of course, from the American and the Western perspective. Yeah. Um, but Italy and Rome in general, I just can't. Uh, it's also, oh, here's another good thing about Rome. Super easy to get around. Their subway system is totally simple and easy to figure out and cheap. And I don't know. I'm gushing about Rome. I really love it there. It's a great city. It's, it really is. It's awesome. So I like how we're <laughs> This is a really easy end step where we're like, hey, go to this beautiful place that everyone loves. <laughs> my, my, mine is spend a year traveling. Like, here's this travel. Go and travel Fair. wherever you want. Here's but a, by the way, this is actually good advice. You guys, but I think overall, it's like sometimes you can be afraid to like step out because it costs a lot of money. It isn't super intimidating to do this kind of stuff. And I think that pushing yourself to do cool things like that, especially you know, our demographic I'm assuming is pretty young, you know? And so, you know, if you are inspired by, you know what? I should go to Rome. That is awesome. If one of you is like, I'm going to go travel and see some stuff that I didn't see before, then you were successful in your end step. For sure. For sure. Travel is great. I don't know. I love it. It really is. I actually honestly think it is. It like broadens our perspectives and makes us better people. Well, hundred percent. I think like looking at things from, you know, a different place, a different time, a different perspective, seeing it through somebody else's eyes. It just rounds you out as a person and travels a way to do that. I think reading books is a way to do that. Mm -hmm. That's another thing you and I both really enjoy. So yeah, if there's even a single person out there who's on the fence or, you know, it's scary, like you said, but let me assure you, 
there are places that are easier to travel to than others and Rome and Italy in general is a pretty easy place for somebody from at least the Western, uh, you know, the Western world, as we call it, from mm -hmm. the States and Canada and, and the places that most of you listen to from. Um, I would highly recommend that as a destination and and definitely eat a lot of gelato while you're there. If you're a listener in Rome, you need to leave a comment in the, in the comments. I actually below. had tweeted out like, what's the best... Um, gelato and, and i got people that like used to live there or currently did and we like wandered like i walked like 15 minutes to this place that everyone said was like the best and it was the like verdict was? Il latte or something oh and it was really good gelato it was <laughs> the best i've ever had but we can I, always trust you guys <laughs> yeah i mean i i'm not enough of an authority to say it's the best in rome but according to some people it wasn't from what i've had there it was so yes <laughs> okay um that was a long end step yeah i'm i'm trying to find my place here all right the Masters of Modern, our sister podcast, Alice Kessler, Ben Bateman. They talk about the modern format and all things competitive magic. They just launched a Kickstarter for, um, if you didn't know, Alex Kessler runs his own to toy company. It's called Kesco. Ben Bateman works there also. Craig Blanchett, friend mm -hmm. of the show, also works at Kesco. And they have a new game called Battle Bosses. Kessler was on our show, I want to say a month and a half ago or so talking about this and they finally did launch their Kickstarter. So if you want to check out that game, it looks really cool. I haven't actually had a chance to play it yet, but Kessler's a big magic player and there's a lot of similarities. Um, you know, not exactly, but he's taken um, inspiration from magic, of course, because it's his favorite game. So it, I would imagine it appeals to magic players. So uh, we'll put that Kickstarter information in the show notes and uh, you should go check out the, the Masters of Modern at Collective.Company right next to us. Awesome. Our editor is Josh Murphy. All right, Murph. Yeah, special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer for the Living Card Animations at Living Cards MTG. He did that daze back there. D-A-Z-E, not D-A-Y-S. Okay, <laughs> We're, I'm getting a little loopy because, like I said, I just got back from Rome and I'm jet lagged. Okay, everybody, thanks for listening. Bye, guys. Peace. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. 
Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.